Do you long for a garden that not only flourishes, but also contributes to the sustainability of your soil? If so, you've come to the right place. In this episode, we'll explore the world of permaculture and provide you with practical tips and easy to implement strategies for including sustainable practices in your garden too. So grab your garden gloves and let's get growing. Hello and welcome to the Prages Plant Podcast, the show that talks about growing, growing a garden, a homestead, a healthy family, and most importantly, growing closer to God. I'm your host, Crystal Media, owner of the Red Ridge Farm Homestead, where our mission is to help women of faith find the courage to grow healthy food for their family while building a closer relationship with our Lord and Savior. That's you. Don't let the world hold you back. Pray. Just plant. Hello, fellow growers, and welcome to the Pray Just Plant podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Media, and today in Season 12, Episode 5, we're going to discuss permaculture and permaculture in the garden. I've done a couple episodes on this topic. I will link them in the show notes, but I talked about the benefits of having permaculture in the garden, but I didn't hint on so much of what permaculture was. I know I have a permaculture homesteading design blog series that you can dive into. I'll put that link also in the show notes, but let's hit on some of the basics today. So what is permaculture? I'm going to jump right over to one of these blog posts on the homesteading design blog post that I have about permaculture. And the first one talks about setting your goals, but it also gives you an introductory to permaculture. So the definition of permaculture by Bill Mollison goes like this. Permaculture is a philosophy of working with rather than against nature, a protracted and thoughtful observation rather than protracted and thoughtless labor, of looking at plants and animals in all their functions rather than treating an area as a single product system. How can we do that in the garden? Well, in the garden, it's very easy to to really get one track minded. We are in the garden, so the garden is only for garden things. But we can't think about it that way because we have to think about, well, what does the garden need? especially our soil. Well, our soil needs compost. Does all the material come from the garden to create the compost? No, it doesn't. I know on my farm, things really changed in my garden when I started encompassing my whole homestead, my whole farmstead to fuel my garden. And I think that's what permaculture really is about. It's a philosophy of looking at the whole and creating systems to help each part and not just to pull parts out and be like, well, the garden is completely separate than the goats and the goats are completely separate than the garden and so on and so forth. But it also has us look at nature. What is nature doing already? What is God's plan already that's working? In the forest, what's happening? Things are covering the soil, right? The the leaves fall, the pine needles fall to the ground and cover the soil and enrich the soil for the trees. In the prairies, the grass, some of it dies back to cover the soil and protect the soil. And so some of those practices we can do in our garden as well. I know especially now, this episode's coming out in the fall. Right now, I spent, uh, it was just last week, I spent all weekend with my men covering the soil. We put compost on every bed, and then I laid down tarps. I didn't have much time with with the market garden this year. I didn't have much time to put in cover crops like I usually do because we grew until the last frost came and killed our produce, and that's when our market garden stopped for the year. Didn't have the time in my in in the fall because we had some pretty harsh temperatures to really get a, a cover crops going. So I go, went with my trusty old tarps to cover 
cover the soil. And there's so much more that a tarp can do uh, with solarization that is also part of those systems that you can be using that nature provides. So let's talk about the word permaculture. Permaculture was originally a word made up of two words, permanent and agriculture. Sometimes when we look at agriculture, we do not see permanent, do we? We see that the soil is turned in every year, but it's how we treat the soil, how we are creating systems to feed the soil so that we can permanently grow in those areas and not have to abandon a filled because we draw out all of its nutrients in a few years or we have to start resorting to chemical nutrients to continue to grow in that area. Permanence also means that we are doing things that, at least my example in my garden, a permanent would be that I've gone to permanent beds. Instead of having just rows where I would till the whole garden in every year and then I would decide, okay, the carrots are going to be over here and the corn's going to be over here. And then my rows are made by what produce or what plant I was was growing because corn needs this amount of spacing and carrots need this amount of spacing. And you can still do that in permanent beds. But in a permanent bed, what is happening is I am no longer tilling the soil. I am no longer rotating the soil. And I am acting like a permanent forest or a permanent prairie and I'm just adding nutrients to the top and I'm letting the microorganisms stay and do the job that they were intended to do. Permanency also creates so much less labor as well. So when he talked about in the definition of it that sometimes what we do is we as humans go into the labor side. Well we need to do this because we need to get rid of all the weeds and the easiest way to do that is just to rototill it right. And sometimes in big agriculture it's easy to go to the labor side because we think of big machines and the like. But in a small garden, even our small garden can be sustainable in a permanent area and reduce labor. I don't have now the labor of rototilling my garden every spring. I do still have labor, but I have strategic labor that helps me work with my soil instead of against my soil. I have labor that helps me throughout the whole homestead that helps my garden. So things like, and you probably wouldn't think about this, but the labor of cleaning out my barn and cleaning out the pins for my animals contributes to my garden even though it's labor on another part of of my farmstead. But that gets put into a large compost pile. We then labor through the summer and we turn that compost pile so that in the fall, I have a huge compost pile so that I can labor and put the compost on the soil. So the labor is there, but it's not as intense. And especially in the spring, this next spring, 2024 spring, I am looking forward to and being thankful that I did the work this fall so that next spring, all I'll need to do, pull back those tarps and I can start planting. There might be a little bit of stubborn weeds, but with the solarization from the tarps, everything will just be really easy to pull. It'll just be really simple and it won't be this big laborious job of planting my garden every year. And that means that I can put my energy in other areas, other areas that can promote my garden, like continuing to build and maintain the compost pile and now starting to put in mulch. This is another labor of love for my garden. I'm starting to put down mulch in my path because I do have that permanent bed. I can put my labor in other areas. 
Permaculture grew out of a sustainable agriculture movement originally developed by Bill Mollison and David Holgren in Australia in 1970s and has since grown in a global movement inspiring people to get involved and create positive change all around the world. That's another side of permaculture. When we're creating sustainability and when we're creating something that works with nature, we're not diminishing nature in any way. We're promoting it. So another great way that we can really talk about systems in the garden and using permaculture in the garden is to understand the three core tenets of permaculture. All this information is inside this blog series and I am actually in the process of writing a book coming out in January 2024. So be on the lookout for that. Let's look at the three core tenets and let's talk about how they can help us in the garden. Core tenant number one is care for the earth. In other words, help all life systems continue to exist and multiply. Because if we don't have a healthy planet, humans can't exist at all. So what can we do in our garden to care for the earth? I think the simplest way that you can add permaculture to your garden is by creating permanent beds. It's going to bring so much more simplicity to your garden planning, to your garden labor and work that you need to be doing, and so much more. Because on the other side of it too is that once you develop your soil in these permanent beds, and I'm not talking about having full raised beds where you have a large infrastructure for raised beds. I'm talking about permanent beds that are just slightly raised and that you don't change anywhere. So you, technically what you're doing is creating permanent paths. So you're creating permanent paths that these paths are going to be the only places that you walk. When you create permanent paths, places in between your paths then are able to grow and flourish in a way like they do in the forest, where they're not being trod upon, where they are being covered, and when you put compost on them, and also they are going to, in a way, be able to revert back to to the natural design. And when we do that, we do multiple things. In my book, Dirt, Finding the Solution to Building Soil Health, I really dive into a lot of these things that permanent beds do. But I think this is the most fundamental thing you can do in your garden to bring permaculture in. Because when you do this, you change your mindset. You change your mindset from producing produce to producing good soil. Because now you are strategically thinking from the soil's point of view, not from where I need to plant my corn, where corn is the number one idea, where in permanent beds, you're saying, I am choosing to protect my soil right away, even before I plant. I'm choosing to make sure that I'm not walking on it and causing compaction. Compaction is a huge problem when it comes to row type gardening. And so I guess I need to explain row type gardening as well. So row type gardening is where you every single year, and I've kind of mentioned a little bit, you are starting with a new slate, but you're going in and you're creating different rows all the time. And so you may in one area of your garden grow corn. You plant a row of corn, then there needs to be a foot in between, then you plant a row of corn, there needs to be a foot in between. And now you're paths essentially are every foot. That's creating a lot of compaction in that corn area. And if you were to do a six foot area, 
you are technically only not walking on where the corn is growing, which is a, so if there's five rows or probably only four rows of corn in there, then you're only not walking on two feet out of six feet of garden area. Where in a permanent bed or permanent paths area, you will have that same six feet, but you're only walking on two feet of it. So now you've changed, you completely flipped it, right? Before you were not walking on two feet and now you're only walking on two feet. So now you're only creating compaction in a certain area, but you can also through mulch in your paths can feed the side bed. So when you have that permanent path, and that only that area being compacted, then you can eventually start using the path for your beds as well because the microorganisms can go into the path and pull nutrients from there when you're not putting compost on top. But the path can also do more. So if you are still watering with an overhead sprinkler or after a rainstorm, the mulch in the path can store up water and then release it into the beds so that there's not that fast and famine for the microorganisms in your beds. Same thing goes within your beds beds when you start building a compost layers and you start building the integral homes which you're not building this but you're allowing it to be built the integral homes that the microorganisms need you're going to start getting air and you're going to start getting nutrients being unlocked inside of your soil and you won't have to compete with compaction that's one main thing right away in these permanent beds so you can look at your garden as this little planet right we're looking at at tenant number one we care for the earth so now you're not just caring for the plants that you're going to put in to benefit yourself you're caring for the earth first and as a result of that you're getting healthier plants more abundance and it'll just multiply and multiply because you're using systems that are already exist it goes right into tenant number one and now tenant number two is care for the people allow people to access resources they need to survive so when we have those permanent beds in our garden and we think about them from the, the point of view of the human of like how you can easily access things and how you can create pathways in your garden garden that makes it more efficient for you to get work done in the garden, then you are doing two things there. But with the permanent paths, the other side of it, you're allowing yourself to get access to those resources, getting into the garden to be able to pick, having a wider area, a more comfortable area, especially when it's mulched. You can go out there in your slippers and pick your lettuce for breakfast if you want or your spinach for breakfast. You're not in the mud all the time, especially after your rains or after you water. So that's thinking about the people. So it's it's amazing how the world works where you can think about both sides. So one thing that I've done in my garden to think about myself and my labor and my efficiency is now I have two very large central paths. There's one very large, it's probably four foot wide down the central part of my garden and it connects from one gate to another gate at the other's end. And this is where I can really bring in wheelbarrows. We can carry big boxes down this area. This is also where we, when we're carrying grain, when we go down this path, 
path, you, I hope I can visualize this for you, but you come through the gate, you go down the path, you have a garden beds on each side, and then about 40 feet down the path, on the left-hand side, you, we have my chicken coop and my chicken yard and where my chickens, my laying chickens are most of the year, especially in the winter. And then on the right is my greenhouse now, was other beds, but now I just have a greenhouse over those beds. And then you continue straight down that path and on the left behind the shed where my chickens are, I have a lean-to where my cleaning area, my wash tables are for my produce and where we butcher our chickens and where we have a nice covered place for us to get out of the weather when we are doing things in the garden that we're just standing in one place. You continue further down and on the left is still my greenhouse and then you get into some of my permanent beds, more permanent beds because they include perennials. You get into my asparagus patch and then we get... Um, just about to the fence and you turn left and you go to the pig pen. So just behind the shed over to the west south corner is the pig area just behind that lean-to. But I also have this path in a central place because this path allows me access to my garden shed because the garden shed has my garden shed and my chickens in it and then also has the lean-to and behind it so I have a larger path for that. Then on the left-hand side if we back up a little bit before we get to the garden shed I have another central path coming from my parking lot area into my garden and the purpose of this is because if you were now to walk for in from the south side of my garden, the other path that I was discussing with you is from east to west, I have a path that runs from south to north. And this path comes and meets this west to east path, but it's utilized to bring in wheelbarrows because the large compost pile, the very extremely large compost pile that we turn all summer long and then we use to put in fresh materials in is in my parking lot area. And I'm sure if you go to my website, I have lots of pictures of kind of a, an aerial view of my property. We only live on six acres, so we have to really be instrumental about what we do with our property. And this year, I actually, on each side of that path, I have my mulch area if we're heading south. My mulch area is on the right and my compost area with a finished compost area is on the left. And I have little gates in inside of those that bring all of those into my scent that central path so that I can easily access mulch. I can easily access compost right inside my garden. But on the outside of my garden, I have larger gates to access these areas so that my husband can use the trash to fill these areas with the mulch and my um, father can bring the mulch in in his big dump trailer and he can back right into these areas and dump things. So by creating a little bit more permanency, I was able to expand and really bring in some systems that not only help my soil, but help me work in my garden more efficiently and with a little less labor and strategically in a way. So that can also help as well. So we haven't even gotten into the principles of permaculture, which we're not going to cover here, but you can definitely dive into that permaculture series about homesteading 
Homestead Design, where I talk about a lot of this in that, and I'm, and you can dive into those 12 tenants. But let's talk about core tenant number three, fair share. You should only take what you need and reinvest any surplus. Any extra can go toward to helping fulfill the two other core tenants. This includes returning waste products back into the system so it can be made useful again. So this core tenant really says, go back to the other two and make sure that they're working together. Make sure that they are sharing responsibility. And also, if you do have surplus, figure out a way that you can implement it back into your garden. We can think about that really easily, right? The extra broccoli plant, you've harvested the broccoli, now you have the big huge broccoli stem with all the leaves and you're like, okay, I can throw this in the compost pile. And that can be simple if that's all you have in a garden. But I take it another step further in this fair share because in my garden, as you heard in my description, I have two animals. I have two animals that help me do everything a little bit more. So when my compost pile is full, I feed some of it to my chickens. They then produce me eggs, but then they also produce chicken poo, which in a way is they're doing something that my compost pile does, but they're doing it faster. They're converting it faster. So I clean out their chicken coop every spring and fall, and that goes into our unfinished compost out in the parking lot area and gets turned in with the other compost from my barn, which is not part of my garden, but my whole homestead, my whole farmstead fuels my garden, not just my garden fueling itself. So this can also, this surplus cannot just be the surplus from your garden. It can be the surplus from all of your different areas. Now, there's some things that the chickens just don't enjoy that I feed to my pig, like extra zucchinis when they get really big and I just didn't have time to harvest them. My pig loves beets and they're just things that are easier for a pig to eat than a chicken to eat. The pig also helps with all of my indoor scraps. There's certain restrictions to things that you can put in a compost pile because one, you don't want the neighbor dog coming over. And number two, that's just not what the microorganisms are designed to compost. Where a pig can, I don't really use her poo because that's a whole nother venture. We do consume her. And so that surplus from the garden, that surplus from the home is going to her and it, it brings down our grain bill for sure. And then it, we do get really nice pork from the surplus. So the surplus it can go back into the garden in so many different ways. It can go back into the homestead in different ways but also into the people, right? Care for the people. So fair share means that we need to be thinking about that surplus and how we can utilize it to help both parts, the earth and the people. So surplus can go to us as in broccoli soup, or it can go into saving it and preserving it for later. The parts of the broccoli that we don't use can go to the chickens. It can go to the pig. The part that goes to the chickens does get reused both ways for both the earth in and the people. I love fresh chicken eggs. They're a great nutrition for the people. And chicken poo is great nutrition for the compost pile. And then the things that the chickens can't eat goes to the pig. And then those, those is more essentially to the people, but it's still getting rid of the surplus so that everything's being utilized. So I hope you can see how permaculture can really be part of your garden and how working with nature can really create an abundant landscape. So I want to thank you for joining me in this short little tidbit episode about permaculture and how you can easily introduce it into your garden. Be sure to go to the show notes and check out 
the links that I have for you there. You have the permacultural design series link and also the purposeful growing journey. Because this stage, I didn't mention it before, but this stage is the purposeful garden stage. And in the purposeful garden stage, you could be just creating a garden or you could be doing more by adding permaculture design to your garden. As always, don't let the world hold you back. Pray, just plant. This week's episode is brought to you by the Planning Beyond the Harvest Handbook. This handbook was designed to help you get your harvest onto your family's plates. We grow all this delicious food, and sometimes in the garden planning, we forget about the harvest and beyond the harvest. This workbook will walk you through the five steps that I use to get beyond the harvest. You can grab your copy at redridgefarm.org backslash resources.